Amen, amen. You know, I still get nervous after 13 years. Amen. Some of you look nervous too. <laughs> All right. Father, we just we thank you for what you're doing, God. We just thank you for your presence in this place, Lord God. And we just pray, God, that we won't hear from men, but that we would hear from you and that we would receive the word that's planted in us and that it would grow, that it would take root, that it would change us, bless us, and make us a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Here's the, the quote for this morning. I'm going to get in your business today, just so you know. Um, here's the quote for this morning. Sometimes our biggest struggle is the contrast between who we were, who we are, and who we're called to be. Who we were, who we are, and who we're called to be. I want to talk to you about identity this morning in a message titled, Name Calling. (laughs) Why'd that hurt some of you? Here's how I want to start this morning. I took this illustration from that book that I told you I was reading a a while back. I'm going to show you some image. This is going to be very crowd participation. So I want you to shout. I want you to get the answer quicker before anybody and shout it. I'm going to show you some images, and I want you to tell me what they're known for. You got it? I'm going to show you an image, and you're going to tell me exactly what it's known for. That one word for that image, I want you to tell me what it's known for. You ready? Here we go. Start with the first one. Give me the next one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you guys are reading them. Oh, Apple, UPS. This is not a reading test. (laughs) I want you to tell me what it's known for. Let's try that again. What it's known for. Ready? Come on. Next one. Next one. Okay, now we're doing a little better. Adidas is known for sneakers. Next. Next one. There we go. Now you're getting it. Next one. (laughs) Toys, building blocks. All right, let's go. Ice cream! Go ahead. Cars, amen. Okay. Chicle, all right. Coffee! Sandwiches. Breath mints, amen in church. I want to see who's going to play themselves. I don't know, Pastor. I don't know. I don't know, who, I don't know what that is. I've never seen that logo. Shut up. Next. Impossible to put together furniture. Glasses. All right. Chicken. Good. Chips. Good job. Dolls. All right. Headphones, all right. Tissue. Papitas, chips. All right, amen, amen. See, see, uh, good job, good job. 
Good job. See, businesses understand clearly that to be successful at what they do, they have to be known for something. What if I did this? What if, what if, get these ready, pal. What if I put your pictures up there? What would you be known for? What if we went through each of, I don't have the pictures. I'm just, she's looking, going crazy. You guys are nervous. She's like, he didn't give me no pictures. He didn't give me no See, businesses understand to to be successful, they have to be known for something. So should the church. So should we. So I want to ask you this morning, what are you known for? How do people see you? And more importantly, are you proud of that? Can you tell your kids what you're known for? Now everybody shut up. Kids, can you tell your parents what you're known for? Young people, this is a tough one. In our, in our younger years, we think we got it all figured out. Till one day you discover the way people see you. And then it's hard to change. You might remember when, when Facebook took off, right, and, and it got all popular. Yeah, I'm that old. You know, we were on MySpace. Anyway, let's not even go there. And, and so when, when Facebook took off, you might remember I told you guys, man, everybody that in my high school found me. And, and I was a little bit nervous. It was a weird moment for me because those people only knew who I was. They had no idea who I was now. They had no idea who I was called to be. What I was known for back in high school wasn't much to be proud of. I don't think many of the girls that knew me in high school were thinking, wow, George, I can tell by your character and your integrity and the way you treat people and the way you honor them, I can tell that you'll most probably be a good pastor one day. Said no one ever. Sometimes our biggest struggle is the contrast between who we were, who we are, and who we're called to be. The good news this morning is that no matter who you were, no matter what you were once known for, God can give you a new name. Amen? God is great at name calling. Listen, as kids, we were told that name calling is a bad thing. Kids are going to be kids. They'll call each other uh, bad things, right? Some of them were fun. Some of them were cute. A lot of them were mean and hurtful. If you're sitting next to one of those guys, don't look at them. But I, I, I remember parents and teachers, you know, telling you that dumb little jingle, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you agree that is a damned lie? Lies. 
If you hit me with a stick and even break something, eventually that thing will heal. But some of us are still walking around with word wounds that, that are still giving us trouble today. Somebody say amen. I don't think I have to convince anyone here that name calling has power. That name calling carries weight. That it matters. That if you've been called something at one point or another, you already know that names are powerful. But listen, there has to come a time when we either own it, we own what we're known for, or we do something about it and change it. I, I, I came to talk to you. Listen, I came to tell you today, you are not your past mistakes. Somebody needs to hear that today. You are not what you've done. You are not just where you've come from. You are not. You have the ability and the authority to decide what you'll be known for. Amen? Listen, I I decided a long time, a long, long, long time ago when my wife was pregnant with our first daughter, I decided that I was going to be known as a good father. And listen, I might not have had the best role models or, or examples in my life, so not too many people taught me. I didn't have many people to look to, but I decided that I was going to be known as a good husband. I made that decision that I was going to be known. As, and listen, when God found me after chasing me and keeping me for so long, when I mean, that whole reckless song, that was about me. God chased me and broke down walls and protected me and kept me through all the stupid things that I did. He kept me. When I finally surrendered to him, I decided that I was going to be known as one of his. And you have to understand, that all happened for me in the same year. I got saved, married, had my first child. Don't do the math. Mind your business. Don't judge me. I used to tell my girls, listen, they, they can tell, I used to tell my girls, there might come a time where you will wild out. There might come, you know, there were three and, and, and two, right? And uh, three and six, whatever. And I'd be, listen, there might come a time where you will wild out. You're going to make some bad decisions one day, maybe, but you will never, I will never give you the excuse that it's because my dad wasn't there, my dad didn't care, my dad didn't love me. You will never, ever have that excuse. But now hear this. I, I don't claim for a minute that I did all those things right. All right? I'll be, you know, sometimes I blew it with the kids. Sometimes I blew it. Many times I messed it up with my wife. And I'm embarrassed to say that I still get it wrong sometimes, being known as one of his. But I'm holding on to the word that's planted in me. Amen? The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 1, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And the Apostle Paul, he's the perfect example of what I'm talking about because before he was known as the Apostle Paul, a follower of Christ, the one who wrote, you know, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Corinthians, Romans, before he was known as this follower of Christ, he was, he was <laughs> the religious nut Saul who persecuted those that followed Christ. Before he was known for that, he was known for, for, before he was known for this, he was known for that. He was the hell's angel of the Bible. People were scared of him. We can read throughout the word. A couple of times we read that people didn't trust him because of what he was known for. 
Some people didn't want to work with him, namely the apostles, because of what he was known for. Some didn't want to walk with him because of what he was known for. Some didn't even want to pray for him because of what he was known for. I love that the same man that was dragging people out of their homes for not believing like he did, that God gets a hold of him, transforms him, writes, and he writes later on in his life, in his letter to the Corinthians, he writes this. He says, to the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like those not having the law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the week. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. See, there was no amount of pain that Paul wasn't willing to endure for the sake of the gospel that he might win some. He was known for one thing, but he turned it around. Somebody say amen. Listen, church, we we might have to change some things about how we do things. Amen. I'm talking like real stuff. Like some of us might have to cover up an old tattoo. <laughs> I just felt that one hit real low on some. Somebody said. We might have to change a nickname. We might have to step away from some people for, for a season. We might have to get a little radical in our walk with God. We might have to start reading the word a little maybe to get a little more understanding. We might have to start trusting God a little more. We might have to start stepping out in faith. Can, can, can somebody say amen? See, the word says that when we step out into Christ, that we, when, when we believe, we become this new creation. Listen, this is a powerful word of God. The, the word says when we, when, we, when we believe, we become this new creation. And the old man uh, passes away. The old things pass away. All things become new. I, I'll be honest with you. I always struggle with that scripture. Anybody else? Because, because listen, the word, when you read it, it makes it sound like the day you trust Jesus, you automatically undo everything that you ever screwed up. Oh, I love it when it's quiet like this. It, it, it feels like every failure, every letdown, every addiction, every transgression, every bad thing that you ever were is gone. And the thing is, spiritually, it is. Spiritually, that's true. That's the good news of the gospel. That's how God sees you. Once we believe God sees us that way. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. He don't see it anymore. He won't bring it up. He won't throw it in your face. He won't use it against you. You owed a huge debt, but Christ paid it all. You're free and clear. You're a new creation. So what's the problem? You still know the old you. You're you're still known by your old ways. You could have come in here, you could have snuck into church on Sunday morning, had an encounter with God, believed on God, and all of a sudden the word you're reading, the word says, I'm a new creation. Wait, I walked in here, this derelict, that even when somebody went to worship and left their purse on the chair, I had to double, you know, think twice, like, whoa. Because I'm that kind of, and, 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 I, and, and in one 
like 15, 20 minutes in one song. I'm a new creation, but I still know my old ways. I still know. See, Paul talks about how our old man was crucified, so sin has no authority over us. The problem is we still carry the old man around. And then we wonder why something's always stinking. What Paul was saying is that once we're dead to sin, we have to continue to put to death the things that have a way of coming back due to our carnal nature. Somebody say amen. And one of the ways to help you do that is to change what you're known for. We can't keep doing, a lot of us want change, but we keep doing the same things. We want things to change, but somehow we want miraculous change. We want God, you know, I don't, I don't want to drink anymore on my way to the bar. God, I don't want, you know, I declare alcohol has no authority over me. Yeah, two, please. But I declare it and believe it and in Jesus' name. Ooh, if I say Jesus' name, then it's done. But you still order, you, you understand? And, and, and that might seem ridiculous, but we do that in our walk. We do the same thing. We don't want to change nothing, but we want things to change. Anybody. So, see, we have examples all throughout the word of both cases. People that were known for something and turned it around, and people that, that, that were known for something and didn't. So let me, this is crowd participation time. Let me ask you a question. This is for the Bible scholars in here. What was Judas known for? Okay, two of you read the word. I'm a little discouraged. That one everybody should have known. Judas was known for betrayal, right? Well, if you know the story, he died with that one. I believe, I believe, listen, some people disagree with me here. I believe Judas had the opportunity to turn it around until the very last minute. When, when, but he felt he had already gone too far. Some of us are in here and we think, some of us are listening online because we won't come here because we think we've already gone too far. But he had a chance. He had choices that led him to that moment when the word says Satan entered him. Then that was done. At that point, he was gone. Jesus said, what you're going to do, go do quickly. His name is synonymous with betrayal. People will say, you're a Judas. There's a Judas in the group. Bible scholars. Who was Jezebel? What was she known for? Perfect. Wickedness. She was a wicked idolater. She had, listen, Jezebel had plenty of opportunity to turn around, but she was hell-bent on being against God. <coughs> Sorry. If you know the word, in, in, if you know the story in 1 Kings, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. Everybody, all the prophets that she had set up, all the false gods that she had, her husband who had none, none of his own, she, she controlled that whole thing. She made him set up. These, these um, prophets and, and, and in God's people, among God's people. And, and in 1 Kings, Elijah challenges all of them. He sets up this big test. He said, let's see who the real God is. If it's the God of, crea- the God of Israel, the God of Jacob and Abraham, the God of Moses, let's see if he's the real God or if your God is the real God, Baal or Asherah. And he sets up this whole test and it's a long story. It's a great story. In the end, God wins. 
God wins, and all of her prophets, 400 of prophets of Baal, like 450 prophets of Asherah, are all killed. They all die. Jezebel, at that point, God had already proved that he was the true God. Some of us, listen, I hear people tell me all the time, God, if God proves to me that he's real, I'll believe him. Listen, Jezebel had it proven that he was the real God, and she still stayed wicked. So, so that, that, that I, I don't even receive that when people tell me, oh, if God will prove it. Listen, man, God, just the fact sometimes that you and I are talking, just the fact that you're in this conversation, just the fact that somebody's engaging with you is probably proof enough that God is in your life, that God is trying to get your attention, that God is working, with, that God cares, that God is chasing you, that God is coming after you, that God is protecting you, that God is keeping you. It got to the point, Jezebel, she was, how did she die? She was thrown out a window. She was run over by horses and dogs ate her remains. Child trip. That's, that's rough. That's wicked death. Her name is synonymous with manipulation and deception. People will tell you, there's a Jezebel in your group. Her name is synonymous with wickedness. She was known for it, and she died for it. I mean, another one. Where's the Bible scholars? What was Thomas known for? Awesome. You guys are cheating now, I think. You didn't know Judas, but you know the other. All right. Somebody's giving out the answers. Are you putting them up on the screen or something? Thomas was known for doubting, doubting Thomas. But I, I think Thomas gets a, a raw deal. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about him. Thomas was a commercial fisherman, and, and he was following Jesus for three years. That means he followed Jesus. He saw he was with Jesus during all of the, everything that happened, everything we read about, the fish and the loaves and the dead people and the blind eyes. He saw all of that, and he was walking with Jesus that whole time. He left his career. He'd been walking with him this whole time. And then Thomas sees his master arrested in the garden of Gethsemane and Thomas like the other apostles flees for his life he breaks out he says I gotta get out of here they're catching us they're coming after us he flees for his life then on Good Friday he watches from a distance as they spike his friend on a cross on the Roman killing grounds of Golgotha he watches Jesus' life drain away Saturday he's probably in shock still from what he's seen He said, I followed this man for three years. He said this, he said this, he did this. I saw him do this. I know that he's this, but he's dead. Probably in shock on Saturday. Sunday, he's still so (coughs) disillusioned that he doesn't even gather with the disciples for the evening meal as they've been doing for three years. He's probably still hurt and confused and still dazed. And of course, Jesus shows up at that dinner. And Monday morning, the disciples come looking for Thomas, and they tell him, Thomas, man, bro, we, you don't understand. We were locked up in the upper room. We had the doors locked. Not that we punks or nothing, but we were scared, right? And we were locked in there, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes in. No doors. He comes in. You know why Jesus don't use the door after the resurrection? Because he says, I am the door. Amen? So he just comes into the room, and, and listen, he shows us, man, and and and. And, 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 and he shows us his, his wounds, and he shows us his side. And, but get this, he's not sick. He wasn't hurting. He wasn't dying. He's alive. He was good. And, and, and Thomas says, shut up. Shut up. Like, you know, we were, shut up. You lying. 
No way that happened. You probably imagined that. That's probably what you want. Guys, you got to accept it, man. I saw him die. He's dead. And then Peter says, nah, man, for real, I saw him. It's true. I saw it myself. And Thomas says, listen, listen. He says that one thing that labels him forever for all of, of, uh, of the generations to come. He says, unless I see the nails in his hand. Unless I put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe it. One time he says what you and I would have probably definitely said. Amen? One time he says what you and I say with our lives and our walk every day. And for generations he'll be known as Downing Thomas. One thing to, to think about that we have to be mindful. Sometimes it's that one thing we do or that one thing we say that we'll be known for. Amen? Thomas will always be known for doubt, but the good thing is that even though he doubted, Jesus met him where he was. Come on, this is good news. I think that's a great point here. God isn't scared of your doubts. You can sit here and doubt. You can sit here and have doubt. God is not scared of your doubts. God will meet you where you are. He showed up the following week, and he went right to Thomas. He said, Thomas, go ahead. Thomas, go ahead. And the word says that Thomas believed. And, and he went on, and according to church history, he went on to preach the gospel for the rest of his life as far east as India, where he eventually died for the gospel. He was pierced by the spears of four soldiers. I'd say Thomas turned it around, amen? All right, this one you're going to have to know the word for. Who was Ananias and Sapphira? What were they known for? Lion. Hypocrites. There's a crazy story. I love this story. This is the first, get the picture. This is the first church. The first time the church has ever called the church. They're, they're meeting for the first time, and, and the word says, this is Book of Acts, chapter 5. And, and the word says that everybody that comes together to the church, they all are giving their things away so that if one doesn't have the hit, they could have, and whoever has more gives so that they could have. And, and that's kind of that's how the church, that's how the church is meant to be. That's who the church was supposed to be. Amen. Somos familia. Amen. That's who the church was supposed to be. And so it tells us that Barnabas, one of the friends of the apostle, he owns this co-op in, 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 um, in, in wherever. He sells his property and he takes all his money. He grabs it from the real estate agent and he takes all his money and he gives it to the apostles. And he says, man, take this for the church, for the people, so that everybody can have. He, he sells, right? And so and they come. And so Ananias and Sapphira see that and they, and they got a couple of condos and they say, you know what? We're going to sell a condo too. And so they sell a piece of their property and then they come and with the apostles acting the same way like Barnabas did but they didn't give all the money they not that they had to but they didn't but they pretended to give all the money they said here we're just like Barnabas we sold the property too and here's all the money that we made from that from that sale and Peter now, Peter, this is Peter after the resurrection. Peter's full of the Spirit of God. There's discernment. There's, there's, he knows what's going on. He can tell when somebody's lying. He says, Ananias, how are you going to lie to the Spirit of God? He tells him, that land was yours. You could have done whatever you wanted with the money. Nobody asked you for that. Why, you, why did you come in here and lie? You didn't just lie to us. You lied to the Spirit of God. And the word says, when he heard those words, he dropped dead. Boom. He dropped dead. 
He lied to the spirit of God in the church and he dropped dead. And then the word says some, some of the younger men, they came forward, they wrapped him up, and they took him out to be buried. Three hours later, his wife shows up. She must have had the extra money. She must have went to the outlets. She showed up in camel skin shoes with red bottoms. Right? Three hours later, she shows up, click, 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 with her red bottom shoes. And, 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 Peter, and Peter says, Peter asks her, Peter gives her a chance. He gives her a break. He says, listen, let me ask you something, um, um, muchacha. Is, 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 um, is, this the, is this all the money? Is this the price that you got for the land? Not that it mattered. They didn't have to give it, but they were pretending to be something they're not. So anyway, <coughs> she says, yeah. You know, she cracked her neck and, and she, she said, yeah. I'm, just, I'm sorry. That's how I picture the word, all right? <laughs> she's, she, she's like, like, I don't know. Like, why are you, you know, why are you? <laughs> you know how y'all do. She said, yeah, it is. And, and Peter then, Peter got open. He said, how are you going to conspire to test God? How are you going to join your husband in testing God? And then he says, listen, the men who buried your husband, they're at the door, and they're going to carry you out as well. And boom, she drops dead. Everybody sees the red bottoms up. And the word says, a holy fear spread throughout the church. Of course, of course, right? Now, some people say that was too harsh, but I want you to really think about this. This was the first church. The first church. It's the first time the word church was even used in the Bible, ecclesia. The first time the word was used. And, and, and these were the first people to walk into the church pretending they were holier than they were. So we could say the first hypocrites that ever came into church died there. That's heavy. That's heavy. What if, what if the church, oh, let's not even go there. See, Sapphira had the chance to turn it around, but she didn't. Some of us still walking into church pretending to be holy, leaving here just to live the same old lives that we lived when we walked in. I'm telling you, it's time to check that. It's time to check yourself. I'm not threatening anybody that you're going to drop dead, but I'm saying it's time. You could be dead in the spirit. You could be walking in church and be dead. You could be uh, alive. You could be alive on the outside, but be dead on the inside. And then you could sit here and worship and wondering why people are enjoying the worship. People are crying, and you there like, I don't even like this song. You're dead on the inside. What was Peter known for? Okay. Peter was known for always having a chancleta in his mouth. Right? Always putting his foot. Peter, Peter was like the spokesman for the apostle. He was always the bold one. He was the one that always had the answer. The problem was he always spoke before he thought. In his immaturity. Peter was a good example of how sometimes our personalities get us known for a certain way. Peter was bold. He was the one, if we read the stories, he was the one that stepped out the boat to walk to Jesus. There was a lot of guys in the boat. Nobody else steps out, but we talk about how Peter failed. Nobody else stepped on the water. At least Peter took a few steps before his ADHD kicked in. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he sunk. That's what happened. I believe it. His boldness 
His boldness also led him to pull Jesus. One time Jesus was telling them about the gospel. He said, listen, my father, I'm going to die. I have to go and I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be cruel. I'm, and, and, and Peter pulls him aside. He said, mira, mira, mira. He pulls him aside. He pulls Jesus aside and he tells him, listen, you ain't dying on my watch. Jesus is saying, this is the Father's plan. This is what I came here for, Bruto. I have to die. This is God's plan. And he said, you're not dying as far as I'm concerned. You're not, I'm not letting that happen. Of course, Jesus rebukes him. He was also the one, when the soldiers came to get Jesus, he drew a sword. He tried to cut the guy's head off, but he missed. And he just cut his ear off. And Jesus goes, come on, bro. Come on, bro. He picks up the ear. He heals the guy. He put the ears back. He said, put, the, put that thing away. You don't even know what you're doing with that, bro. Put that away. Come on. He also known for, of course, like, like you guys said, he's, he's known for telling Jesus, man, I'll never leave you, bro. I'm your ride or die. I'm with you to the end no matter what happens. And then some teenage girls ask him, weren't you with that guy, Jesus guy? Nah, man, it wasn't even me. It wasn't me, he says. See, what's awesome about Peter was that he was known for those things in his immaturity. Anybody do some stupid things in our immaturity? After each of those big events, Jesus taught him, Jesus rebuked him, Jesus rescued him. And after the resurrection, Jesus specifically named Peter as the one who needed to hear the good news. He forgave him, he restored him, and he used him as the main speaker on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people surrendered to God that day. See, some people could look at us one way and see our mistakes, and we could be known for the times we got it wrong, but God sees the heart. Come on, say amen. If you've been feeling like, man, everybody knows me because I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who messed up in that area. I'm the one that, listen, the good news is God knows you. Who cares what people think? God sees the heart. On the flip side of that, some people see us as good people. They see the outside things that we do. They see that we cry in church every Sunday. They see that we worship and they see, and they, but God sees the real you. Yeah, that was not an amen. That was. God sees the real you. Amen. That should kind of shake us a little bit. While he's never been scared of sinners, he's never been too fond of hypocrisy or fakeness either. It might be time for us to change what we're known for. Worship, I'm not done, but worship team, you guys can come up. I'm going to do some name calling for a moment. Yeah, that's you guys, worship team. <laughs> Amen. That's what you're known for. I want to do some name calling. See, we talked about who we were. We talked about what we're known for. I'm going to talk to you about who you're called to be. Somebody say amen. See, Paul tells us in Romans 4 that we serve a God who can call things that are not as if they were. That's not exciting? We serve a God who can call things that are not as if they were. In, in that scripture, Paul was talking about Abraham. There, God takes an old man named Abram, like 99 years old, with a barren wife, old, old as dirt. God calls, calls him Abraham, which means father of many, and he declares over his life, he names what doesn't exist as if it did. He names what's impossible in the natural as if it were possible. Anybody excited? He names what can't possibly happen as if it already happened. 
And if you know the story, it does. It comes to pass. And the word, the word also says this. When we step back into Genesis, we find that that same God who calls things that aren't as if they were, that same God created you and me in his image. We were created in the image of God. That means some things that daddy, that daddy could do, we could do also. Baby crying and you guys not excited. Some things that daddy could do, we could do also. We were created in the image of God. Let me, let me prove that to you. In, even in creation, the, in the creation account, we see that God himself names the sky. He separated the ground and the water, and he names the sky, and he names the land. But then he says in Genesis 2, the Lord God formed out of the ground every living animal of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. So whatever the man named each living creature, that was his name. Hola. So we've been given name-calling authority. <coughs> Either you're shocked or you're just bored. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not getting a read here. We've been given name-calling authority. Since the creation. Listen, there's authority in our words. That's why it's so dangerous when you speak to kids and you tell them you're stupid. You're never going to amount. That's why words hurt us so much. We've been given name calling authority. We were created in the image of God. And well, some, of, some theologians could look at that and say, no, that was just for Adam because he was the first man. And that was before, before the fall. After that, that was taken away. Wrong. Jesus said in Mark 11, Jesus says to the people, to us, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If someone says to the mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart but believes what he says, it'll be done for him. For this reason, I tell you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you've received it and it'll be yours. There's name-calling authority in our words. Watch this. Matthew 12, 36, he says, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give account for every worthless word they speak. Your words matter so much that the word says that people will give an account for every worthless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Some versions say every idle word, every careless word. See, one of the enemy's names is the accuser of the brethren. Your words will either agree with God or agree with the enemy. So we talked about who we were. I want to end with this part, who we are. Can, can you give me two more hours? I, I just just real, real, real quick. Thank you. One person's going to stay here. <laughs> I want to step out in faith and I want to do some name calling right now. See, the word tells us when we believe. This is who we are. Somebody needs to receive this. This is who I am. Listen to this and say, this is who I am. When we believe, this is what the word says we are. We are complete in him. We are washed, sanctified, and justified. We are set apart for the master's use. 
We're shielded by God's power. We're kept in his hand. We're kept from falling. We're kept by the power of God. We are not condemned. We're one with the Lord. We're strengthened by his mighty power. We're seated in heavenly places. We are his very own people eager to do good. We are entrusted. We are called to be saints. We are greatly loved. These are all scriptures, by the way. Don't ask me where they are. If you want to know, you find them. We are protected from the evil one. We are equipped with spiritual armor. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We are born again. We are the Lord's servants. We are his living stones. We're a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. We're a chosen people. Somebody should stand up. We, we are a holy nation. We are a people belonging to God. We are aliens and strangers in this world because we are citizens of heaven. We are assured that we will suffer for him, but we're promised that we will reign with him. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are the people of God. We are the recipients of mercy. We are more than conquerors. We are hidden with Christ in God. We are being transformed into his likeness. We are his. We have, we have the hope of eternal life. We have the message and the ministry of reconciliation. We have Christ dwelling in our hearts. We have access to the throne. We have a heavenly home being prepared for us. We have an anchor for our soul. We have authority over the power of the enemy. We have the power to witness. We have peace with God. We have a father of compassion, a God of all comfort, a savior who died for us, a sanctifier who lives through us, a healer who restores us, a king who returns for us. We have the spirit who fills us, guides us, gives us, bears us, bears fruit through us. We have a faith of greater worth than gold. We have a faith that brings praise, glory, and honor to Jesus at his return. We have an inheritance that's kept in heaven. We have an inheritance that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. We have the assurance of salvation. We have great and precious promises. We have our names written in the book of life. We have everything we need for life. We have everything we need for godliness. We have not been given a spirit of fear. We have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. We can come boldly to the throne, find mercy and grace in our time of need, pray always and everywhere. We can cast our anxieties on him, quench the enemy's fiery darts. We can do all things through Christ. We cannot be separated from the love of God. Family, listen, forget whatever else you've been called. Forget what you've been known for. Forget who you were even before you walked in today. I don't care what they called you in school. I don't care what they called you in your neighborhood. I don't care what they call you in your circles. What does God say about you? You might have to change some things, but the Word says you can do that. The Word says in James, therefore, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not just hearers. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward if you need to come and take a stand.
if you need to, if you need to say, this, I want to be known for it. If you're going to make a declaration today, I want to be known for this. I, I was known for this, but I want to be known for this. If that's you, get out your seat. Get away from wherever you came from with and, and just say, this is, I'm making a declaration. You don't have to tell us what it is. You don't have to tell nobody nothing. But say, I want to be known for this. I want to change what I'm known for. These people are here. They, they want to pray with you. They want to agree with you. And the rest of us are going to worship over you softly with singing. And sing blessings over you. Come on. Come on, you, you don't have another day. You don't have another chance. Why wait for another? Why, why put it off? If you've never made a, a, a decision to follow after God, if you've never given your heart to Jesus. If you never said, God, I believe that you died for me. I believe that my sin debt is paid on the cross because of what you did for me. If you've never done that, come forth and tell somebody and pray. And then all those names that I called are yours. You're still working, you're still working, and I know. 
cannot see your plan, but I know you're working, you're always working, God. And I know that if I praise you, the enemy loses, the enemy loses. And I know if I choose faith, then you're going to prove it, you're going to prove it. You've never left my side, and you'll never do it. You'll see me through it, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll see me through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
that not only are we fully known and fully loved, oh God, but Father, you're changing our identity, our names, oh God. Father, you're taking us from one place to another. You've given us new life, oh God. In this new life, Father, we find hope. We find grace. We find mercy. We find you. So, Father, I pray now, Lord, that if anyone's here, oh God, has been carrying around the past for them, with them, oh God. And they've just been finding it hard to separate from that past person to who you're calling them to be, Father. I pray over them now, Father, that you would infuse in them power and authority and anointing, oh God. Father, that you would give them, Lord, what they need and everything they need is in you, oh God. So, Father, we glorify you, O oh God, because you don't leave us the same way you found us. But you make us better, O oh God. And not only do you make us better, you love us to the point where we want to be better. That we embrace it, O oh God. So, Father, we embrace you. We embrace your spirit. The one who leads us, the one who guides us, the one who helps us make decisions, oh God. And that's what we need in this new life, oh God. We need your spirit, Father. So thank you, Jesus, for all that was done on Calvary, Father, because you saw more in us, oh God. You looked at us through eyes of love, and you loved us enough to say, no, I won't leave them the way they are. Like I got a bigger plan and I got a purpose for them, oh God. And so you gave all so that we could have all. And we'll spend the rest of our life thanking you because we know we could never repay you. So we'll spend the rest of our life and our energy glorifying you, oh God, because we could never give you enough but we'll give you everything, all that we have within us, Lord. Only that you would accept it and see us fit. Thank you, Father, for your love and your patience. Lord, we want to keep pursuing you even as you continue to pursue us. We know that we're blessed. And we'll spend the rest of our life trying to be a blessing, oh God. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week.